Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royville Movie House. We've just stepped out of the theater, all my popcorn is gone, so it's time to review our latest film. Yes, we just watched The Fat Spy, directed by Joseph Cates, written by Matthew Andrews. Uh, starring Phyllis Diller as Camille Salamander, Jack E. Leonard as Irving and Herman, their twins. Brian Donlevy as George Wellington, Jane Mansfield as Junior Wellington, Johnny Tillotson as Dodo Bronk, Lori Berger as Nanette, Jordan Christopher as Frankie, The Wild Ones as themselves, and Lou Nelson as Punjab. Do you want me to just go ahead and read the synopsis and then we can just say what we Yeah, feel? let's just get this over with. Oh my gosh. Off the coast of Florida, a nearly deserted island is rumored to have the Fountain of Youth. A boatload of teenage kids are headed there for a scavenger hunt. Wellington, the island's wealthy owner, is none too happy about that, so he dispatches his daughter, Junior, to get rid of them. She's only happy to go because her sweetie Irving is the island's only resident. Junior sends Irving to spy on the kids to find out what they know. Irving's twin brother Herman and Herman's high school sweetheart, Camille Salamander, are also headed for the island with their own nefarious plans. Is the Fountain of Youth real? And if so, who will get to it first? All right. Well, that's the synopsis of the stinker. Yes, this one was... Bad. A little painful. So bad. It was painful. Um, it was supposed to be a spoof of the 1960s beach movies, which, to be fair... To be fair? <laughs> to be fair, didn't have a whole lot of plot to begin with. And usually was a vehicle for somebody like Frankie Avalon or Elvis to sing their music. However. In those beach movies, you had Frankie Avalon or Elvis singing their music. This one, you did not. It was not good. Yes. Instead, we're, we were treated to the Wild Ones uh, playing their music. In fact, before the opening credits even go, we got to hear an entire track. Of the Wild Ones music, uh, watching two of them play, one of, one of them playing the guitar and one of them singing. Uh, the guitar player's guitar strap kept falling and reappearing. And yeah, there was some bad editing in that opening sequence. Um, but we had entire songs by the Wild Ones, not clips of songs and then some dialogue and some dancing. But literally entire songs. And that is it. And I apologize for the background noise. Our cat does not like when we record. So you'll have that. Or maybe the cat, like us, hates this movie. <laughs> anyway. So then we, we go... Because he had to watch it too, actually. Well, it, it, he was a captive audience. It's true. It's true. He slept most of it, which I can understand. I feel his pain. So they start off by using a lot of the tricks, the cinematography tricks that uh, the sitcom The Monkeys used. 
the fast forwarding, running, comically fast movements. I I don't know how else to describe it. it it's a trope of the '60s in general. Yeah, it, it. I even said, "Hey, it's the monkeys TV show." So yeah. Um. So this group of teenagers catches a boat, goes to an island, and they're going on a treasure hunt. No, doesn't catch a boat. Dodo's parents' boat. Oh, that's they right. They take, yes. which is very interesting towards the end of the movie to me. That's very true. <laughs> I, I forgot that it was his, their boat. Anyway, so they take a boat out to this island. That is supposed to have the Fountain of Youth, this lost galleon. The, well, they know that they're looking for a lost galleon. But and we the, don't know until the movie's almost over that it's a lost galleon. Well, Just, kind of. Maybe halfway through. But, I mean, they do some treasure hunting and stuff before they re- they reveal what what the treasure is they're looking for. And, by the way, this island is not Oak Island, believe me. It's like a block long, a block large, and there's, like, no trees on it except for a couple. Anything hidden on this island, I scream BS. Fair enough. So it's Ponce de Leon's galleon. We fi- we come to find out, but we also come to find out. This is spoilers. It's not there, and the Chamber of Commerce of the Cape that the island is setting in has taken the galleon and put it on display in a garden. So the whole movie is really not needed. Yeah. So, hijinks ensue, teenage hijinks, blah, blah, blah. Um, Lots of singing. Like, every five minutes there was a song. Well, I I haven't ever seen a beach party movie, but I'm assuming that there's a lot of singing in those. Yeah. If, there's this, if this is a spoof, but there's a lot of singing, it's almost like it's a sh- crappy musical. I'm sorry, I was going to say something else. It's almost like it was a crappy musical, because almost everybody in the movie sings. Like anybody with a name sings. Pretty much, yeah. It got to the point where even me, who I adore musicals, it got to the point where I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, So... Spanish galleon not on the island, and there's a sign that says so. Not only is there a sign that says so, it is pretty much right where they parked their boat. Right. It was... It was a moment. It was a moment. Yeah, it was done. (laughs) So, alongside of this, there's this other kind of plot going on that there's two cosmetic companies that are battling it out to find the Fountain of Youth because cosmetic companies. Right. So George Wellington owns one. Camille Salamander owns the other. Uh, and George Wellington has a set of twins working for him. Irving, who's the sweet, dumb one. And Herman, who's the calculated... I would say evil one, but I just don't think he's smart enough to be evil. It was weird. He, right, his, right. Herman was like, I think... And, and Herman is the the title of the movie. I mean, he is the 
quote unquote. No, Irving is. Irving, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Irving is quote unquote the fat spy. Um, because the the gentleman who played both of them was rather portly. Yes. Um, Jane Mansfield plays a character named Junior Wellington, who is George Wellington's daughter, who is in love with Irving. Um have no idea why. So there's a pretty much oh, and uh Camille Salamander and Herman are high school sweethearts that had upon graduation made an oath that they wouldn't see each other until they were ready to take over the world, pretty much. Which was a weird I'm evil thing. Mwahaha. Yeah, did we mention Herman's a bad guy, double agent type? person. Yeah. So George decides he's going to go out to the island because the kids can't find his fountain of youth because that's what's going to make his uh, company famous. So he himself goes out with one toy gun and the guy driving the boat having inner monologues of various different Bogey and James Cagney and I don't know who the third one was that impersonators going through his head. There was a third tough guy actor that that went through his head, but I can't remember who it was at this point. Um, Pretty much the whole way out, which is 15 minutes. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we don't know what happens to George aside from the fact that he's storming the island that is now free of kids because the kids decided to go to the gardens to look at the galleon. Because uh, why not? Yeah, so that's going on. Irving and Junior are not evil characters at all. They were kind of antagonistic at the beginning, but they just want to get married. Well, she wants to get married, and he wants his bike. Something, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I was watching the movie, but there were... I have to honestly say, I tried to watch the singing, but I tuned out halfway through most of the singing. It was, um... Because it was also kind of hard for me to understand what they were saying when they were singing, too. I don't know if that that was probably just me being old. I don't know. I didn't pay that much attention to what they were saying when they were singing. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm assuming it relatively had something to do with what was going on during the movie, but at that moment, but really there wasn't a lot going on with the movie through the whole movie, so pretty much. So there's a there's a scene where they have Junior tied to the air conditioning vents or air conditioner furnace thing because I'm sorry. Camille Salamander and Herman have her tied there because she's overheard their evil plan to get the Fountain of Youth, which turns out to be a black rose that two blooms are on the same branch or I something like that. It's not an actual fountain. It's the name of the flower. Right. And it's basically two roses, two black roses that bloom together. Yeah. So she finds out she's going to go back to Irving, who's waiting for her at the gardens surprisingly enough, because, you know, that's where everybody needs to end up. Um, So they tie her to this furnace thing, and Herman, it's like this big, long, convoluted thing where he's going to turn the air conditioning really low, and the ice cubes that form are going to blow up the building, and I 
Yeah, they're gonna get caught and it's gonna overflow or overheat or so yeah. Um, so there's that thing going on when really all Junior wants to do is marry Irving and all she needs to do is go back to the garden. She can't tell her dad anyway because her dad's storming the island, so it was just kind of confusing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to make note of before we move on to, oh my God, what I want to say about this movie, <laughs> um, is Lou Nelson played a character named Punjab, who was Camille Salamander's attache, assistant, right servant. man, lieutenant, yeah. Um, who, as the name might indicate to you, is a very racist, racist stereotype at this point. I think even was racist back in 1966. Well, do you think a movie nowadays would be called The Fat Spy, though, too? No. So. But anyway, so Punjab's the one who cuts um, Junior loose. Yeah. Because he comes from nowhere. Uh, so the whole movie ends with, it turns out that Frankie and Nanette, who were the two main kids on the treasure hunt, um, we're actually looking for the galleon because they were Ponce de Leon and his wife. Maybe. That's what they said. And then they went to the camera. There was a lot of people talking to the camera, which kind of was annoying to me. But they were something because they were old when they got handed the flower. But they weren't old the whole movie, but then they're just old there. I mean, I know, like, I, I know. yeah, so. So basically... There you go. This is the confusing mess that is the Fat Spy, which has only literally one scene in the entire movie that made me laugh because I thought it was awesome. And that's Dodo. And the other reason I put him in the list of casting, because I'm going to bring up this scene, is that Dodo sings a song about wanting to meet the girl of his dreams. And he does. But she's a mermaid. So he tells Frankie, who's his best friend, I'm in love with a mermaid. And Frankie looks at him and says, of course you are, baby. Yeah, baby. Of course you are, baby. <laughs> really weird that a dude's calling another dude baby like <laughs> the way he did it. <laughs> it was one of the best exchanges I've ever seen in any movie, and it lasted all of 15 seconds, and this movie was nearly an hour and a half. So the <laughs> thing that I mentioned about the boat earlier... So, Dodo decides that he's going to be with this mermaid, so he just walks out into the ocean and never comes back. His clothes are even left on the beach, and his friends, who were on the boat with him, knowing that it the boat is his parents, were like, oh, looks like Dodo's gone. And the only thing they say is, what am I going to tell his mother when he when she calls? All right, song interlude, let's take the boat back. Like, what? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. Let's sing a song, everyone. Yeah, it was... Go ahead, go ahead. I, I, just, I just don't know. This movie was absolutely bad. And it wasn't bad like Battlefield Earth. It was just not enjoyable for me. For example, there was so many... And no offense to her. I'm not a fan of Phyllis Diller. Don't like her acting. Okay. Um, 
And then also, because it was probably this beach movie parody, everybody acted... Now, I'm starting to believe that if I watched a beach movie, I probably wouldn't like it. I don't know. But everybody was kind of over the top. Every time Irving was walking... Herman. Herman. See, I can't even get these people's names straight. Herman was walking. He would be like really exaggeratingly walking and thrusting his arms and blah, blah, blah. And I'm assuming it was like that because it was supposed to be funny. It just looks stupid to me. Oh, I, I don't think the movie is good by any means. Like I said, 15 seconds of it. And I that was the only time I even cracked a smile, really. Um, this movie is super sexist. And super racist. And they played off a lot of stuff that was super sexist and super racist as, haha, aren't we cute? Oh, the joke where the three women uh, come in with different lipsticks on. Yeah. And the old man tells the Fat other man. old man... Oh, you need to kiss these women to check out their lipstick. And so, obviously, the women are young and attractive. And so, this guy basically just smooches these women. I guess they probably wrote, you know, had like a signing that it was okay to be violated. I'm not sure exactly how that went. It was so bad. The movie was so bad that I'm pretty sure that at the end they ran out of money because they started throwing up these like cards explaining what happened in between these like scenes. Oh yeah, the cards. Oh my gosh. Right, don't show. I think they got it backwards. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, well, no, actually, I am very, very glad that they just wrote it and didn't show it because then the movie would have been longer. Like, and they were flashing up faster than Steve could read them. And I'm not saying this because Steve is dumb. It's because they were white on pink. They were hard to see. <coughs> and so... Because of the angle that I got to watch the television at, I was reading them out loud to him. So, because the glare of the television, like just having a light on in the house, caused it that he couldn't read all the words on the screen. Well, and also, I guess because it's funny, some of the wor- some of the letters and the words were capitalized at random. So, I don't know why they decided to do it that way. Maybe because it's whimsical. I it. Yeah, it was very hard for me, um, especially because it wasn't just like, and then he goes through the door. There was like paragraphs that you had to read. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So I'm pretty sure they ran out of money to film all of the like connector scenes. Either that or the Wild Bunch, the people that did most of the songs, didn't have any more songs. So they just figured they should wrap it up. In either case, yay. Yeah. But it was kind of like, it's not the way to end it. Like, I, oh, I don't know. No, it was no, very definitely strange. Definitely not. Definitely not. And granted, this movie should never have been made. Like, at least not in the form that it's in. It is a confusing, horrifying mess. Like, it, there was not 
There was not a cohesive plot. That's why I read IMDb's plot synopsis, because there was no way I was going to be able to do that all on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there was just too many, like, plot seeds dropped without having anything come to fruition. Like, the mermaid thing, that lasted all of five minutes. Yeah. Long enough to establish that, she, that he met her. And have a 15 long, a second long conversation where he tells his best friend what's going on. And then the rest of that was basically her siren song as he's walking out into the ocean. Right. It wasn't necessary and it wasn't funny. And. Well, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Most of it wasn't funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't feel, I don't know how they could have made that funny in general, like oh, the way okay. that it was. It didn't have anything to do with anything. Part of being a good, even slapstick or spoofy comedy, even a an absurdist comedy, you have to have a general threat that this is the way the plot is going. This is what the main plot is, and every all of the ancillar or tertiary, whatever you want to call them, plots that, subplots, there we go, they go into it, all work together toward one goal, which is usually one big payoff at the end of the movie. We didn't get a payoff in any way, shape, or form. Like, even a bad payoff. Like, there was, like, literally nothing. Right. I mean, even one where, like, you and I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, it doesn't have to be funny. It doesn't have, but there was nothing to tie this mess together at all. It was like a bunch of scenes from like 10 different movies. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, everybody did eventually, I think, go to the garden. That's pretty much it. But it wasn't one of those cool, all of these different things going on. And then, then you see how it weaves together into a cohesive story. No, it was just everybody kind of showed up at the same place. Yeah, it was, yeah, and Phyllis Diller was absolutely horrifyingly bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to say much more. I mean, I'm not a Phyllis Diller fan, so. Okay, I'm just going to sum up by saying The Fat Spy is like a Scooby-Doo episode, but take all, literally all of the charm of Scooby-Doo away from it. Okay, I, I will agree with that, yeah. Oh, and Scooby, because there was no dog. But in general, that's kind of how this is. It even has Phyllis Diller, who does guest star on the Scooby-Doo show. So maybe it was. Maybe it was a rejected Scooby-Doo script. Yeah, yeah, that may... (laughs) I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it was literally without any charm or whimsy or humor. Or likability. I mean, like, seriously, it was a bad movie. Okay, so we're at the end of a bad movie review. So now I get to ask the question I always dread. <laughs> He's looking at me right now. <laughs> How much do you hate me right now? All right. Well, let me think about that for a second. No, I... All right. I can't say I hate you because you had to watch it too. But my gosh, this probably was... Besides my frustration with Battlefield Earth, this was by far the worst movie we've watched. By far. It was bad, I gotta agree. So, 
it does deserve its place in the 50 worst movies. It's not yes. It's not just a boring movie that should be forgotten. It should be forgotten because it's that bad. Of all the movies we've seen so far, it's the top in the top 5. All right. So that's all I got to say. All right. Well, that was our review of Scooby Doo <laughs> in Beach Blanket. Oh no. No. <laughs> All right, so what do we have coming up next? All right, so next week we go back to a good movie. Um, we will be watching Annie Hall, by, directed by Woody Allen, 1977, number 35 on AFI's list. And I must say that I do not think I have ever seen a Woody Allen movie. So we'll see how that goes. You may or may not like him. He's a... If yeah. he's an acquired taste, then I'm probably not going to acquire it after one movie. He's definitely a New Yorker. Ah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, And we have a real treat for our bad movie. This is number one on the 50 worst movies of all time. And no, it's not Citizen Kane. No, it is not. <laughs> and it's not Plan 9 from Outer Space. Which might surprise a lot of people. In fact, it is a movie called, and I have to take a breath because it's a really long name, The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. Yeah, this is like what, our third zombie movie? There's a lot of zombie movies on this list. How is that ever a thing? Anyway, so that's what's coming up next. So, if you like this uh, review, please let us know in the comments, hit subscribe, and if you didn't like this review, let us know as well. Just don't be uh, a dick about it. And then it looks like, if I uh, see here outside of our window, that they are lighting the lamps on Royville. So, that means it's our time to head out. So, until next time, everyone. Good night. Bye-bye.